0: Welcome to another edition of the Books and Culture podcast. I'm Stan Guthrie, and with us as always is Books and Culture's editor, John Wilson. And today, John, we're going to be changing roles. You're going to be the interviewer, and I'm going to be the interviewee, and that's because we're doing a book that I've written. God's story in 66 verses
1: understand the entire Bible by focusing on just one verse in each book. You and I talked about this book several months ago Mm -hmm. when... I read a galley of it, and I mentioned then how pleased and touched I was when I saw that
0: the book was dedicated to me. And Well, John, I think there's a very good possibility that the book may have never been published without your help, so well, I appreciate it.
1: That makes me feel even better, because it's a book that I'm delighted that many people will profit from and so I'm letting readers know full disclosure here <laughs> that I have a vested interest in this book and in telling our listeners
0: about it. Tell me first of all how you got the idea. Well it's kind of strange but I'd say a couple of summers ago I was substitute teaching for fifth graders and you know how yeah. Sunday school is for kids sometimes. We deal a lot of with the various stories of the Bible. There doesn't seem to be a unified way of putting it together. And I was just sort of searching my brain to kind of come up with some kind of concept that would be simple and clear so that kids could get an overall picture of how it all fit together. I'm not exactly sure what made me think of one verse. I think I just started thinking, you know, One verse for this book would be this. One verse for this book would be this. I wondered if I could do it for the entire Bible, and lo and behold, I did. The publisher liked the idea, so I was off and running.
1: It's a particularly valuable approach because so often, even in a well-meaning way, people who are reading the Bible and taking it seriously focus on certain themes that particularly speak to them Mm -hmm. and... They emphasize those, but they lose track of the whole arc of Scripture. And this approach puts a check on that because you literally have to look at every book.
0: Yeah, that is a danger with any book written by a mere mortal as myself. I think some of my biases are still in there, but I did try to balance the tensions that we see in scripture, you know, between grace and truth and faith and works and those kind of things. And I tried to let each book speak for itself, but I also tried to make sure that each book was viewed in the context of the entire salvation history that God lays out there.
1: Sure. And I completely agree with you. You and I could sit down together and we could pick a list of four or five biblical writers who we really admire, scholars, pastors, and we could give them an assignment, do what's stand in pick. <laughs> you don't have to write the whole book, but pick a verse. And I hope people do that. Well, and it, it inspired me. But yes, some of the verses would be the same, and a lot of them would be different, and there would be slightly different emphases. And yet anyone who took it seriously, who really wrestled with it, would see that you can't just reduce the Bible to this or to that. That's why we have it. That's why yeah. That's why we have this book of books.
0: Exactly. And if someone disagrees with 60 of my 66 verses, but they're willing to do the work and kind of delve into it themselves, then they so will have much benefited. the better, yeah. yeah. That's the purpose of the book is to get you into scripture. It's not to
1: prove a point. I also like the fact that without at all trying to be surprising or Pull something out of your hat. <laughs> that many of your choices are not completely predictable. They're on target, but a good example would be the very first one sure. for Genesis. I don't think this is the one that if you just asked a bunch of people, all right, you know, pick a verse for Genesis, you know, and you said, what? Stand Genesis fifteen six, and they would say, "Let's see, what is?" 15? Well, it's he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now tell me how you ended up choosing that verse. I think it's a good choice, but tell me what you were thinking.
0: It'd be easy to go with something a little better known. Genesis starts with God the Creator making the universe, making human beings, establishing a relationship that's with important. Us. And That's important. <laughs> and that's all very important. But he's establishing a relationship with man and woman made in his image, yeah. and that relationship is sundered through a sinful choice. What does God do? He immediately starts repairing the damage. He provides skins for them. He frustrates sinful humanity's choices at the Tower of Babel. He calls Abraham, he says... I'm going to make you a great nation. You are going to be the father of many nations, of many people. The question naturally arises, how is that relationship going to be cemented? How is it going to be made real in Abraham's life and in his descendants? And it's very clear in that verse 15:6. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And so we see that throughout scripture that it's not a legalistic thing where we are God's slaves, but we are called to believe him and follow him in truth and righteousness. And we see Paul in Romans chapter four, looking back all the way to Genesis and saying, this is how a person is saved. It's through faith. And so it all ties together with the greater story as well. And so that's why I chose it. It's a pivotal moment in the Bible in salvation. It is.
1: And I think that the way that you have first chosen this verse for Genesis because Genesis is so important. It's the beginning. And then the way that that theme keeps recurring with different emphases, as you said, in the New Testament, but also I was struck, Lamentations, you know, that's a Mm -hmm. book that we don't hear preached on that often, but if you read the verse Lamentations 3.22 that you've chosen, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. And so there's an arc that starts with that verse, Genesis 15, 6, that goes through lamentations and on through to some of the verses that you choose in Paul's letters. I find that very, very powerful, but also a corrective to our tendency a lot of times to focus just on certain themes and also just on certain books, because there's a kind of a canon within the canon (laughs) where we hear you and I and our fellow churchgoers tons and tons of sermons on certain texts over and over again. then there's other texts that we rarely hear
0: preached on at all. I was personally very encouraged going through every book because each one has a little bit different of an emphasis. But I was also greatly encouraged to see themes maybe in slightly less clear form in some of the old testament books be brought to full flowering in the new testament i mean you've got nehemiah and he's like lord remember me for you know what i've done for all these people and it's almost like a complaint he's frustrated and we see jesus saying later on no one who is given even a cup of cold water to someone who's my disciple will lose his reward Fifteen six 6 is the key for the whole book because it shows that god requires a faithful response from us no matter what the circumstances i was just teaching this book in sunday school class for adults a few days ago i didn't mean to do this but we just looked at eight old testament books real briefly and so many of them had to do with lamenting and suffering and those kind of things it brought home to me that god is there and he's looking for our response even in those very difficult times I think that's
1: wonderfully said, and I was struck by the fact that in Micah, and of course you and I have talked about the interesting change that's taken place in our particular stream of the faith, when you and I were growing up, you're probably a bit younger than I am, but it was probably still true when you were growing up, and of course you didn't grow up in the church the same way I did, but John 3.16 was the verse that you heard the most often it's not that you didn't hear lots of verses often but that was the one you heard and you and i've talked about how among a lot of young christians today the verse that you hear most often which i never heard anyone quote when i was growing (laughs) up is micah 6 8 he has told you O man what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god and the emphases in that are different. They're not inconsistent, but they're different. And one of the reasons it's so often quoted now is the emphasis on justice and kindness, on serving others, on those kinds of priorities. And then there's also, you might say, the face of God that we see, the particular aspect Mm -hmm. of his character that we see in this verse, which for various reasons is particularly resonant with a lot of younger Christians today. But then the very next book you have is Nahum 1-3. Now, unlike the verse from Micah that we see banners of and (laughs) t-shirts and all this sort of thing, I don't think I've ever seen somebody with a t-shirt that has Nahum 1-3 on it, but here it is. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet." Now, that's a very different aspect of the God we can never grasp. We can never pick one verse and say, this is it. This sums everything up. And it's wonderful that those two are right next to each other. And for me, that encapsulates some of the richness and delight of what you've done in this book because we're not allowed to just settle on one. There might be some people who they like this verse, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Yes! He's not going to let the guilty <laughs> you know, uh, For other people, even though that's there in Scripture and that's a theme that recurs, they may find it harder to embrace that. They may find it harder to acknowledge. And the same is true of many others. And we have to hold those all in tension. I think you do a wonderful job. Well, thank you. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet.